We engage people from the West to come and be trained as trainers. And those folks then can be connected to local trainers in other countries. We send them on short-term teams. They work with them on, on hosting these trainings. To train a farmer, the end user farmer is about a three day, maybe four day training. So a person from the U.S. can be part of our organization, go over, spend two weeks, and they can end up training 100, 150 people yeah. whose lives are gonna be completely changed by this. The Global South is often a place of abundant natural resources. There's also a large number of young people able and willing to work. Climate is often conducive to agriculture. So why is poverty and especially food insecurity so prevalent among God's people within the Global South? Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint as we come to you from the 2023 PCA General Assembly Convention, downtown Memphis at the Renaissance Convention Center. I'm Byron Tyler. Glad to have you here, friend, and we're looking forward to meeting different folks here at the convention to bring you our Bot Radio Network listeners. Right now, I have Frank Sindler, who is here. Frank is with the ministry. He's actually the executive director of Equipping Farmers International. Frank, welcome to Bot Radio Network. Hey, thank you for having us on. I really appreciate it. Is this your first time in Memphis? Uh, yeah, I think it is my first time here in Memphis, yeah. <laughs> have you tried to barbecue yet? I have tried a little bit, but I plan to try some more. Okay, so, so where is home for you, Frank? I'm originally from South Carolina, grew up there, but live in Chattanooga, Tennessee now. We spent about 10 years in uh, West Africa with our mission organization and then have worked internationally with different churches and denominations and missions since then, been been in missions work for about 30 years now. Oh, you know, as I mentioned to you before we started this interview, anytime I meet somebody connected with the farming industry, is ministry connected? I always want to highlight to get you on the show to let our listeners know, because we need to salute our farmers. We need to salute anybody who's involved in agriculture, because that's where we get get our food source. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so it's important. So can we back up a little bit and talk about Frank's backstory, where you grew up? And I think you kind of grew up in a farming community. Yeah, I grew up in a small rural southern farming community. My first jobs were all on farms. Uh, I remember pulling weeds for a farmer for about 25 cents a day when I was a little kid. And <laughs> They tricked you, Frank. They, they did. <laughs> they did. I went to an agricultural college, Clemson University as well. But then uh, got into ministry, uh, was ordained, and have worked with churches internationally, really for about 40 years now. Abroad or here from the U.S.? Abroad, mostly, yeah. And where were you at? So we were in West Africa, in the country of Senegal. And then I was an area director with a mission organization, and I worked with national churches pretty much all over the world, helping them develop ministries that they had a vision for, would come alongside and help them come up with resources to to launch new ministries, outreach, evangelism, church planting, and and pastoral training. That's been the area that I've worked in mostly. So what about the connection from training pastors in that ministry to going to a farming? Well, about three years ago, a donor came to our mission organization, uh, Mission to the World, that I was working with at the time, asked us to come up with a system to get a training program that had been developed in Zimbabwe called Foundations for Farming out into the rest of Africa. And we started what we thought would be a very slow growing, small ministry. Our original goal was to train about a dozen people to work in three or four countries 
We hoped we'd eventually be training maybe two, three, four hundred families a year, but it just took off and grew so rapidly that uh, about six months ago, we started discussing the need to start a whole new nonprofit to manage it. We're now up to about 300 trainers in 26 countries. Oh so it, it's, it's all been of the Lord, was not a plan that anybody had. It's, it's a training and a ministry that's very effective, meets a great need in the church and the world. So I think the Lord has just blessed the effort to organize that, and that's why we're growing. Frank, having lived in Africa, Senegal, as you mentioned, you've been in places where I guess food insecurity is a little more common. It, you know, it's a little more visual. As I opened up talking about food insecurities in the South, I mean, we don't usually connect it to. Right. Yeah. It's and for me, it became personal because I re last year I made 18 trips over to Africa, often spending time with church leaders in rural areas and small churches. And then a lot of time, those the families in those churches did not know where their next meal was coming from. And yet they're very hospitable to us. I remember being in a church in rural Kenya uh, where they prepared this wonderful meal for us. And the pastor leaned over to me as I was eating. He said, you know, be careful, don't drop anything because whatever you have left over, we're going we're gonna to leave for the families because most of them don't know where they're going to get their meal this afternoon from. Oh, my. And so God started burning your heart, I guess, you know, for this. And how did the Equipping Farmers International, I mean, the, the name and just the, the vision, you know, for this get underway? Well, the vision grew really out of about three years of work on the mission field with churches, national partners, our trainers, and then the organizations that we were partnering with. Crown Ministries is a close partner of ours. Uh, we do a stewardship training that Crown has developed called African Money Map. Foundations for Farming is the agricultural training organization that we work with. Uh, they developed a method uh, of what's called regenerative agriculture, which allows a small farmer uh, to take about an eighth of an acre and to every year reliably, year in and year out, produce enough food for his family. Those same small farmers are typically farming somewhere between two and four acres of land, and they have historically not been able to feed their families on that much land. But now they can take an eighth of an acre, apply the methodology that we're using. It's called Fumfudza. Uh, Fumfudza is a word from the Shona language in Zimbabwe, which means change is coming. And using methods that are basically uh, mirroring the way God has created nature to regenerate fertility in the soil and in the land and provide for mankind. We take that plus scriptural principles on character and being timely and how to manage things. And it creates uh, a system where a small farmer can produce at least four, as much as 10. We've seen as high as 20-fold production rates oh my on these little plots of land. The other thing is there's a lot of climate issues that farmers in Africa are facing, uh, droughts, uh, things like that. But the small plot of land, this eighth of an acre, it can be hand watered in about three hours. And the method we teach conserves soil moisture. So usually when fields of their neighbors are dry, they're dying, they're not gonna produce anything at all. 
Uh, one of the women that we trained in January this year from Uganda, she's called the corn now that we that she grows stepladder corn <laughs> because literally it's about as twice as tall as she is. We have a little video of her walking through a cornfield. <laughs> oh. But having seen that, she immediately contacted said, I, I want to be part of your organization. I want you to train me as a trainer. And so she just got finished being trained last week to join our organization and work with us, bring this out to families. I think there's a scripture, Frank, you can help me out here that talks about not laboring for food that perishes, and I'm paraphrasing big time, but for the food that feeds the soul. Amen. But sometimes if you can't feed the stomach first, you know, the, the soul's, you know, is discontent and, and doesn't have time to listen because they're, they're concerned about right. just, you know, existing. Yes. As you mentioned. Yeah. And that's, you know, so food security is kind of the first goal for our organization. And that's why we're getting, we, we're getting requests literally every day from churches around the world. We, we've now hired a, a coordinator for South America. We're hiring a coordinator for Asia. We're hiring three coordinators to help work with us in Africa. Um, but the churches are reaching out because they want their people to be able to eat. And this is a system that has started to gain some, some publicity. People are hearing about it around the world. And so that is creating a huge demand. And we're just trying to keep up with that. Yes. We, we engage people from the West to come and be trained as trainers. And those folks can uh, then can be connected to local trainers in other countries. We send them on short-term teams. They work with them on, on hosting these trainings. To train a farmer, the end user farmer is about a three-day, maybe four-day training. So a person from the U.S. can be part of our organization, go over, spend two weeks, and they can end up training 100, 150 people yeah. whose lives are going to be completely changed by this. Let's, can we unpack this training? You talk about these three or four days. Can you walk us through each day and, and what are some of the yeah, methods, the principles? The basic things we teach. We teach the, the management principles, the agricultural principles, our, our basic principles. Four of them, we, we teach uh, that they do everything on time. God is a God of order and a God of timeliness. So they prepare their fields before the first rains. They're ready to put the seed out the minute the rain comes. Uh, they do things at standard. So the fields are laid out very precisely so that each plant gets exactly the amount of nutrients and water that they need, the spacing. The fields are beautiful too. That's one of the things is that, you know, God is a God of beauty. And when these fields come up, they're just, they're, they're unbelievably beautiful because they're so neatly laid out. And we're only talking an eighth of an acre. Yeah, this is a small eighth of an acre. It's 52 rows. Each row is calculated to provide the amount of food that a family of six will need in a week. And we actually have a system for, for corn or maize, as it's called in, in much of the world, for uh, upland rice and for uh, millet or sorghum. Those are the three main staple crops that people uh, usually use for a staple food in their diets. And as a result, as you look at helping churches and the people of these congregations, families of these congregations, to be productive with their food in the crops, that has to be a testimony to the community, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and once people learn about it and they try it, so one of the things we say in our trainings is, we know this sounds really great and you may not believe it'll work, just try it. Even try a small portion of your field or a row like this. And once they do that, 
they usually are so encouraged that they go ahead and they and they apply it on kind of that that eighth of an acre level. Yeah. But then their neighbors almost always see the result, and it is so dramatic the difference in the fields of the farmers who are applying the EFI methodologies that we that we teach, right. and their neighbors that their neighbors are drawn in to ask. And the program that we teach also integrates uh, scriptural principles, the character of Christ. It's nearly impossible to teach the program without talking about the scriptures or about Christ himself. So it's a natural bridge between farming and evangelism. And a matter of fact, we have a number of pastors who now call themselves agro-evangelists. So they (laughs) use farming as a method to reach out and to disciple people in their community. Frank, I love this. This is so exciting. Couldn't help but think many of these people that you are building relationships with are talking about this farming technique. They've been farming for generations. I mean, that's how they provided for their, try to provide for their families. And we know because of the climate changes and things that happen at times, we go through droughts. Many parts of the world are going through years and years of droughts. Are they apprehensive at first, you know, to, to try something new? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, adoption is an issue. So we've actually met with about 14 organizations that are doing agricultural development and talked about what things did they do in order to cre- increase the level of adoption. In other words, if I go into a training, uh, do a training in a community, what percentage of people are then going to turn around and, and apply that and at least give it a try. And so we've tried to tailor our program to have as high an adoption level as possible. And we're also working almost exclusively through churches and denominations overseas. And they have a community structure that helps us reinforce the training. So we usually do a vision uh, casting meeting with the leaders of a group of churches before we start the training, explain to them, have them pick the trainers who are going to be bringing the program to their churches, have those trainers train, then we'll go back and work with them on how to train in their communities. And each group is a little different in how they might gather people, you know, where they might do the training. They might do it in, in a conference. They might do it just church by church or whatever. And we work with them to try to fit that uh, method of getting the training out to fit their organization. Is the work primarily, Frank, exclusive to the continent of Africa? No, we've actually expanded now into Asia and to South America. We, we have a coordinator we just brought on for South America and a coordinator we're bringing on for Asia. And we'll be working in India, Pakistan as well. Uh, we're working already in Panama and Ecuador and South America. We'll start in Puerto Rico soon, probably in Haiti as well, in the Caribbean. Um, so we're, we're getting requests now. And literally, we have not advertised the program. It's almost all word of mouth. And I, I honestly don't know how people find out about it because the organization, formal organization, really was only formed three months ago. We've been working informally in a partnership of different mission organizations uh, for about three years. But really, just three months ago, we launched Equipping Farmers International. So. Oh, this is beautiful, Frank. Any work in the U.S.? And we talk about food insecurities, we, you know, know in, in America, sadly, we're seeing many, you know, situations, especially due to the economics, you know, concerns, a lot of homelessness. Are we seeing any type of work being done here in the U.S.? Yes, there is. Actually, some of our trainers who work with us in Africa who are 
short-term volunteers. They run community development programs out of churches here in the U.S. Uh, a number of them very successful. They're starting to expand. We're getting requests from churches. We have a training farm here in the U.S., a partner in Goodwater, Alabama, who does a program specifically for churches. Their goal is actually to get the program into a million churches in, in the U.S. and have those churches use it specifically as discipleship and outreach. One of the neat things about the program is as you're teaching people the agricultural principles, they're starting to see that God is real and that his word is true. And there's a church in Florida that's used it. There's a little promo video. And they have seen people coming to know the Lord regularly through their community garden program. And so we're, we're excited about that for the U.S. as well. Oh, you must be. You must be. Okay, so you're not doing much advertising. We're here on Bite Radio Network right now. But as you try to partner with churches, because it's really through the local church right. that you're, you're wanting to, to spread this work. You know, from, from overseas, it's just been really, I think, word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, people have heard about it. I've worked in ministry for many, many years, so people, I've sat down in conversations where I'm meeting with a group to talk about pastoral training, and somebody will say, I heard you're involved with some agriculture thing, can you explain that? And then 90% of my conversation then is all about the agriculture side of things. On the U.S., we have our website, equippingfarmersinternational.org, that people can go to. You can sign up to become a trainer. Uh, we have scholarship funds uh, that cover the cost for people to be trained as trainer. To be certified as a trainer is about, it's about a six-day training course. That can be done here in Alabama, or it can be done at one of four centers that we now have open in Africa. I'm sure that in short order, we'll have centers in Latin America and in Asia as well. And you wouldn't necessarily have to have an agricultural background no, at all. Not at all. A lot of our volunteers, they just, they're interested in helping people. And actually the program, the agricultural methodology is very simple. It's not something that's difficult to understand. I think, you know, if you have an interest in gardening, that, that's maybe helpful. Yeah. But just really wanting to serve the Lord and, and seeing this as a practical way that you can can help and be be equipped in a fairly short period of time and then plugged into something that has an immediate impact on families' lives, on church communities, on ministries, and even on nations. Yes. Frank, do you have any examples in places? It's kind of a, a new child here being birthed right. and, and going, but already some fruits that you're encouraged by as a result of your work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, within our own networks, uh, the, the growth itself has been a testimony of the, of the effectiveness. We, we didn't expect all the people that we trained as trainers to go back and immediately engage in their communities, but they got so excited that they have. So they have, they have over-trained, you know, we would ask them, at least go back and try this yourself and train a few people. And they will go back and they will set up these networks and train hundreds of people. <laughs> But in terms of the impact, the program in Zimbabwe was so effective that the Zimbabwe government noticed that there were people who were refusing food aid who should not be refusing food aid. Widows, disabled people, things like that. And they began to ask them, you know, we're offering you, you know, free food. Why are you turning it down? And people would often say, well, I don't need it because I've been taught how to grow my own food and I have, I have more food than I can use for my family and I'm giving it to my, my friends and my neighbors. And so the Zimbabwean government, I think it was about three years ago, actually the 
September, when we first sent our first group there, they had just gotten information back from the Zimbabwean government on the impact of the program. So they, Foundations for Farming trained a thousand ag agents for the country of Zimbabwe. Those ag agents went out and trained 1.2 million small farmers. And Zimbabwe had for several decades had a food shortage, had to do relief. The first year after they, they implemented this program and trained those farmers, they had a food surplus for the first time. And so the word about Fumfudza, the methodology, began to get out. And there are other governments that have asked some of our training teams to train their agronomists and get it out as part of their country program. The country of Rwanda has adopted it. Uh, the president of Madagascar, no, Mozambique, just recently announced that their, pro their country was going to adopt it. We started our first training in East Swatini, which is a little, used to be called Swaziland. Swaziland, yeah. yeah. Transworld Radio, the ministry I was with, had a has a work in Swaziland. Oh, there. wow, yeah. that's yeah. neat. Yeah. So our team did the first training in Swaziland in November last year. Within about two or three months, the Ministry of Agriculture, I mean, Ministry of Education came to the team and said, we heard you're doing this. Will you bring this to all the school system in Swaziland. So it's, it's you know, those kind of things are happening. Oh, Frank. So. I mean, God is just opening the door wide. I mean, this is so beautiful. You've been in the ministry a long time, Frank. And as you mentioned, for so many years is a trying to encourage pastors and train pastors. And as God has diversed your ministry into farming and what you're seeing God use through this agricultural ministry, what are some things you're learning about God and your relationship with Him as He's transitioned you and you moved along this journey? Well, I think one of the things I've seen is that God God has always had a plan for His people. If you look at the Old Testament, uh, there's so many passages in there about God's covenant with His people. And that covenant is is worked out through His blessing of a people through the land that He's given them, which is to be there to abundantly produce for their needs. And so seeing that and then seeing this ministry start from something we didn't anticipate would really be much of anything. I mean, I thought it was a nice idea, a nice program. We were willing to give it a try, but we didn't have any inkling that it would grow like it has, nor that it would have the potential for the impact that it does. So one of the things that really struck me is I work with pastors all over the world for years, and often they had in in their hearts and in their minds to do great things for God, but they didn't have the resources. A lot of times it was a lack of financial resources. So I would often, you know, just feel their pain, but know that there was just no way I was ever gonna be able to help them reach that potential that they have. Now when I'm with pastors in places and they show me this project they wanna do, this little piece of land they would like to buy, a school they wanna start, and they say, this is how much would it would be, do you think, you can rally churches in the West to help us do that. I look at them and I said, well, what if we could help you help your people give you that money instead? And they just literally tears start to well up in their eyes and they, that would be so great, but it's just not possible. But really God, God has made it possible. And that's, one, that's the second area that our organization is working with is how do we use this and harness it so that it becomes a financial engine for the Global South Church. Right. The and Global you, South and, Church is becoming the center of Christianity, and they will become the center of missions, they'll become the center of biblical orthodoxy, everything. They just don't have the resources right now. But I think God has 
has this in store for them so that those little churches out in the middle of nowhere who right now are starving someday will turn around and be able to support the growth of ministry in the global south. That, that is so wonderful, Frank. And you mentioned this partnership with Crown Financial, mm-hmm. you know, and of course they have been a, a ministry partner with us at Bot Radio Network for many, many years. How's that implemented for the financial part? We, we use what's called the Africa Money Map. It was a tool that was developed by Crown Ministries specifically to teach Christian stewardship in Africa. And it's probably one of the best uh, financial training tools that I've ever seen. So we do, uh, we do a session on that during the agricultural training, and it's a series of stories about a man named Henry. And Henry makes all the financial mistakes that every family in, in the Global South makes. Yet he repents, he turns around, and in the end, he has this really godly, almost Abraham-like heritage because he's, he has shifted from a, a man who is focused on his own needs to someone who's really kingdom-minded and a kingdom steward. And inevitably, at the end of the training, we ask people, what, what are some of the things that impacted the most? And a lot of times, people will raise their hands about Henry's story because people know, I've, I've been there, I've done those things, yeah. and this is a roadmap for me now to become a different kind of a Christian, a kingdom-oriented Christian who can be used. And that's why we're hopeful, too, that the agriculture method will do more than just allow families to feed themselves. That's a wonderful goal. But if we can harness that same thing with a kingdom-oriented mindset and stewardship heart, then then the church can be released to accomplish all that God wants them to do. So, Frank Sindler, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you so much for the kingdom work you're doing globally in the name of Christ, for his glory, for his honor, and, and being on Bot Radio Network here as we broadcast from the 2023 PCA General Assembly Convention here at Renaissance Center, friend, downtown Memphis, where we're broadcasting. And if, Frank, if somebody wants to know more, if they would like to get this training, uh, what should they do? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is go to our website. Uh, that's equippingfarmersinternational.org, spelled just like it sounds. Or if they want to reach out, they can give me a, a call. You, I'll give you my personal phone number, at, uh, 540-273-9928. We have a huge need for people to join our organization, become trainers. Uh, we need churches to come alongside and support our trainings. It's about $40 to train a farming family, about $1,000 to, to train a trainer. But the impact is, is, is tremendous. Could a family do this together? Oh, yeah. We actually, Alabama is a perfect place. We have sent probably, I don't know, six, eight, nine, ten families to Alabama all together. The farm is perfect for a family with kids. Uh, Noah Sanders, who's the, the manager at the farm, I think they have eight children, <laughs> and the farm is perfect for families. Oh, I, it's a great program. Yeah, And I can just see the benefits of that because, you know, so many of the places, the people in these countries where you go are very obviously family-oriented, and, and, and seeing a family even come after training to their country to teach them, and they see here's a family together. Amen. You know, the mom, the dad, the son, the daughter, they're all working together in Christ's name, to show these dear people how to grow their crops. Amen. <laughs> this is great. Well, I wish we could talk more, Frank. I could talk to you for a long time. I love I love the topic, and I'm so glad you stopped by. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having us on. It's really been a blessing. Thanks for listening to Mid-South Viewpoint. The show is archived for on-demand listening on our website at vodradionetwork.com. 
or via your favorite podcast platform like Spotify and iTunes. Some of our shows have videos as well and can be viewed on YouTube at Byron Tyler Radio. Stay tuned to Byte Radio Network to fill your day with God's Word.